From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Sitting in today for Tony is our own Sarah Perry, Director of Partnerships for Family Research Council. Welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Sarah Perry, Director of Partnerships here at Family Research Council, filling in for Tony Perkins today. In recent years, the Democratic Party has become the first major party in American history to explicitly court non-religious voters at the expense of people of faith. A previously unthinkable development because religious freedom is a founding principle of this country. In just a minute, I'll talk with Luke Goodrich from Beckett Law on his book, Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America. In my next two segments, I'll interview Mike Lindell, a Christian businessman who escaped a crack cocaine addiction. And now Christians need to be engaged in the pressing issues of our day from a biblical perspective. Then the left's assault on Christians grow more brazen by the day. How should we respond? And where can we find hope for the future of America? Missouri Senator Josh Hawley addressed those questions at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. That's coming up later in this edition of Washington Watch. But first, how do we sort out all of the aftermath of America's precipitous, costly, and deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan? Congressman Mike Waltz joined me to address that question at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. He is a former Green Beret, a member of the House Armed Services Committee, and is on the Committee on Space, Science, and Technology, and he represents the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Let's start, Colonel, with the issue of Afghanistan, because you've, you've been there, you know the area, and what we just witnessed... You know, a lot of people, I mean, it's, you can't put a good spin on this. And some have drawn. They're trying. Well, I know they're trying. trying. And and some have put a parallel to uh, Vietnam and what happened there. And, and, you know, quite frankly, it's hard to know what to believe in today's such, we're such a polarized culture. The media is, I mean, the media is, you got one side, this side. I want to know from you, someone who's been there, someone who knows the landscape, how significant was this? You know, it, it's hard to overstate uh, how significant this is. Uh, I believe this is the worst foreign policy disaster in modern American history, uh, even worse than the fall of Saigon, uh, because there was no reasonable expe- expectation uh, in 1975 that the Viet Cong were going to follow us home. Right. and hit us again here. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been devastating on multiple levels, uh, devastating for me personally and so many veterans uh, that are out there that have, that have quit their jobs, dug into their savings, um, uh, really ripped open a lot of old wounds. Um, no, but, they, they, but they're not, these are the ones, these are the private sector groups that are still to this day, uh, right now, getting Americans out and getting our allies out because they stood with us and stood with our flag against Islamic extremism and against, against terrorism. And they're doing the job that the United States government should be doing and isn't doing. Thank God for them. They have given up their jobs, dipping into their savings to go to Afghanistan to many of these special operators in the past trying to bring these people out. That's right. Yeah, they're trying to extract them, uh, and many of them even uh, are doing it uh, virtually, where they're on the phone 
uh, uh, constantly with, uh, with our allies, with, um, with Americans. Tony, we just successfully, uh, there's no other way to say it except smuggled out an 80-year-old couple, American couple from California, uh, just last week. Uh, also last week, a veterans group landed a plane of 116 American citizens, green card holders, and LPRs. Uh, I mean, it, so it's, it's ongoing, but they've been left behind. I mean, make no mistake, and the administration, you can call it spin, misleading, I call it lying, let's call it what it is, uh, that this, this notion of there's only 100, if you notice when Secretary Blinken says that, he puts in a quick little caveat, that wanted to leave. Well, who didn't want to leave? I mean, show me that group. Right. And so I, uh, I asked the secretary of defense at a recent hearing, I said, Mr. Secretary, if you were offered a chance to leave, but had to leave your family behind, would you do that? And he said, well, of course not, Congressman. Like, I didn't think you would. But do, do I then get to categorize you as not wanting to leave and therefore not being left behind? Of course not. But that's the spin that's happening. Look, it's devastating from uh, for the entire world to see us leave our fellow citizens. It's devastating from a human rights standpoint. Uh, every day I wake up to videos of women being beaten, uh, people being beheaded, executions uh, occurring for those that have worked with us. They are being hunted down as we speak. And this notion that you know, we can work with the good terrorists and the moderate terrorists against the really bad ones is, I mean, it's, it's laughable if it weren't so tragic. And then as we were talking about, as we've talked about on your show, you know, the message that we sent around the world is that America won't stand with you. And America will abandon you. And I received a note, and it just felt like a punch in the gut from an, uh, a longtime ally, an ambassador of that country, who said, you know, the entire Middle East has gotten the message loud and clear that jihad has won, Democracy is lost, and who the heck would sign up for Team USA anymore? That's the message that the Biden administration sent the world. So you can imagine what our allies in Taiwan are thinking right now, or in right. Ukraine are thinking, or places like, uh, like Estonia, uh, or even NATO. Uh, so devastating on all those fronts. And then the final piece, I'm just going to really depress all of you, uh, <laughs> is from a counterterrorism standpoint, we are far less safe now even than before 9-11, uh, and here's why. Uh, if everybody remembers Obama, and it's the same team around Obama that's now around uh, Biden. I call them the O-Biden crowd, right? <laughs> because they are, it's the same thinking. And uh, they pulled us out of Iraq recklessly too soon. And by the way, we all want these wars to end. We all want the troops to come home, but you have to do it the right way. They did it the wrong way. We remember the rise of the ISIS caliphate. Uh, it grew to the size of Indiana, launched attacks all over uh, the Middle East and Europe, inspired attacks here, Pulse Nightclub, right. San Bernardino. But here's the difference. We had to go back. We had to send troops back to deal with that. And I think we're going to have to do the same, sadly, in Afghanistan, too. But the difference is, if you look in the map, we had bases all around there in Turkey and in Jordan and our great ally Israel and in the Gulf states. We had the Kurds on the ground, our local allies on the ground. 
Uh, and we didn't leave behind an army's worth, $80 billion worth of equipment for the terrorists to then fight with. Now you go over to Afghanistan, we've got no bases. We gave them all away. We have no local allies. They're literally being hunted down this evening as we sit here. And they have $80 billion of our night vision and body armor and, and heavy weapons. And what has me so darn mad, future American soldiers are going to have to go back and deal with that and clean up uh, this mess. And that to me is, 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 I hate as a Christian to say unforgivable, but Jesus is far more forgiving than I am. It's unforgivable. And I will not forgive Biden for this. Congressman, I, uh, Congressman, I want to talk about the nature of this government because we, you know, we were negotiating and it's like the Taliban is just like, you know, maybe a bad third party. Um, you were a part of the search for, back during the, the Obama administration, for Bo Bergdahl, uh, the American who, American soldier who defected, whatever you want to call it. Betrayed his country. And, and, yes. he, and he went over. And yes. so you were out on the search party to look for him. Right. And to get him back, we traded some terrorists. Five. Five of mm -hmm. them. Where are they now? They're in charge. They are literally in charge in Kabul right now. We had them in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, good, uh, brave American soldiers fought. Some died to get them there in the first place, uh, and we traded them for a traitor. Uh, I uh, was in command of all the special operations in the region at the time that that happened, and uh, good men died looking for Bergdahl, but we knew two things. One, even someone who betrayed us, you never leave a fallen soldier. I mean, that's how ingrained in us, that is. And number two, we knew it'd be a huge propaganda victory uh, uh, for the terrorists. So we, we pulled out all the stops uh, to find him, knowing that he had stacked up his weapon, left his gear behind, sent emails to his family denouncing America, uh, and actually was providing information to the enemy uh, and, and had defected. Yet we still did everything we could to try to get him. I never in a million years thought I would wake up years later and see President Obama in the Rose Garden celebrating him as a hero and then trading five terrorists who are were, now who are now have turned around and are now in charge literally massacring our allies with our own weapons with our weapons that we uh, left behind so if I'm a little upset forgive me uh, but um, yeah that's but but to your point of the nature of this administration, it's one that believes that if we can just get the other side to the table, if we can appease enough, if we can concede enough, if we can just give away enough, if we can be nice enough that our enemies will be nice back. Well, that's not how it works. Uh, and, and President Obama, if you go back and, and listen to his second inaugural speech, said we're going to extend a hand to the world and not to the fist. Well, I'll tell you what, these terrorists, uh, and I've dealt with them face-to-face, -face, the Haqqani Network, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, they understand strength and leverage, and if we have to, bombs on foreheads. I mean, I just hate to be that blunt, but that's what they know. 
uh, and they're going to take absolute and are taking absolute advantage of this week. I mean, they smell weakness in the White House right now, and they're going to take advantage of it. So it's the same team that thought the Bergdahl trade was a good idea, that thought the Iran deal was a good idea, that pulled us out of Iraq, led the ISIS caliphate, the appeasement of Cuba uh, and socialism. Same team now in charge, and we're seeing the same awful results. Well, Congressman, it doesn't stop there because this has emboldened our enemies. And as bad as that situation is, I'm going to have everybody reaching for, uh, for something here in a moment. <laughs> it, the, the reality is that's not our greatest threat. That's right. They have actually emboldened, I think, a country that poses a much greater threat to us, and that is the country of China. That's right, and the Chinese Communist Party. No problem with the people right, and wonderful right. culture. Uh, of, of China, but the Chinese Communist Party, folks, is the greatest threat that this country has ever, ever faced in its history. More than the Soviet Union, more than Germany and Japan in, in, in World War II, because we've never faced, and we've never faced an adversary that has an economy that's larger than ours, uh, at this point has a navy that's larger than ours, is launching more into space than the rest of the world combined, including the United States, and is openly talking about replacing the United States uh, as a global leader and replacing the American dream with the China dream. You've been listening to a special edition of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins looking back on this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. Now, folks, you know what that music means. Don't go away. After the break, I'll continue the conversation from the Pray Vote Stand Summit with Congressman Michael Waltz. And we have some homework for you. What can you do to counter China's global ambitions? Stick around. We're coming right back. Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope? when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible. The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the Word of God. The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word and the response that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible, it just says to me, they've not encountered the God of the Bible. Our faith is rooted in history, and, and consequently, we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God. Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of Hope for Your Home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Have you ever felt like saying, I don't want to pray? I don't know what to say? Well, listen to Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. You know, sometimes it seems impossible that God actually listens and hears our prayers. It's so important to teach your children that when they pray, God listens because He cares and he acts. He won't always grant every prayer, but he does always listen. God loves to hear his children pray. You don't have to use big words or long sentences. Let me just suggest that you start by saying, God, thank you, and then you fill in the blanks. If you can't think of anything, then just say, I don't know what else to say, Lord. Can you help me? 
then just be quiet and wait. Learn more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home. And we had discussed my options for abortion. After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer. It was still borderline thinking abortion until the little part at the bottom of the ultrasound started moving. And we realized there were two. And I knew then. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Just seeing that, I said, I can't. I can't. The ultrasound is still the deal. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say, baby, your love can save a life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. And let me encourage you to join us on Sunday as we pray together for life. And by the way, I encourage you to enter FRC's Stand Mug Giveaway. That's right. You can get your own mug. Text the word mug to 67742 and tell us what you stand for and why for your chance to win a USA-made stand mug. Next week, we'll announce a uh, daily winner live on the program. Now, message sends vary. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to cancel. Help for help. Visit frc.org slash text for terms and conditions and our privacy policy. All right, before the break, I was talking with Congressman Michael Waltz of Florida about how China is emboldened by the weakness of the Biden administration. This is from a conversation that we had last month at our first ever Pray Vote Stand Summit in Leesburg, Virginia. You can find out more at prayvotestand.org slash summit. It's all archived right there. China is a greater threat than ever before. So what can be done about it? Former Green Beret Michael Waltz, now Congressman, has a call to action. My call to action for all Americans, for all of you, when you pick something up in Walmart, you see yeah. it on Amazon, and it says made in China, put it down. Yeah. Put it down. It's got to say made in America. Period. That is... That is a really good point. I was actually thinking about this earlier that, you know, we pray, vote, stand. You know, we, we think about voting when we go to the voting booth and we cast our vote. But you also vote with your dollar when you go to the store. That's right. And so we need to cast that vote with responsible consumers. And it, it even goes to, you know, where you invest. Because as you pointed out, Wall Street, this is, uh, I've, in my role at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I've actually been sanctioned by China because I've spoken out against their abuses. It's and, a badge of honor. It's well, I can't, honor. I can't go to China, <laughs> so I guess I can't shop at Walmart yeah. anymore. But yeah. um, the, the Wall Street crew, they are now investing in China because it's, the, it's a huge market, and they're looking it's at these hedge earnings. funds and all of these things. And so their team of lobbyists in Washington are, by extension, lobbying for China. No, that's absolutely right. So 
you know, we, we talked about religious freedom and, and, you know, the interpretation of the Bible. By the way, there's 97 million Christians uh, in China who are constantly under threat, harassment, persecution. Uh, you look it up, there are churches being bulldozed, crosses being torn down. Uh, the, it's not just the Tibetan Buddhists or the Muslim Uyghurs, which, by the way, they have over a million in concentration camps, lined up on their knees, heads shaved. The women are forced into sterilization and abortion. It is a genocide. Uh, I've called for a boycott of the Beijing Olympics. It's coming yep. up just yes, this February. It's, in my view, it's the genocide Olympics. And to your point on the companies, these companies, Coca-Cola gets, where does it get a lot of its sugar? Not out of Texas or Florida. It gets it from Western China, where these literally through slave, modern-day slavery and slave labor. So they want to boycott Georgia over right. changes right. to the voting law and voting integrity. And Major League Baseball wants to, you know, move games. But, yeah, they have no problem padding their profits off of modern-day slavery and religious persecution. Nike gets its cotton. Right. from Western China. And this is a taste of what's to come. As soon as one of these companies says, you know what, we're going to do the right thing, China threatens to cut them off. You had, the, you had the NBA coach who said, simply, I stand with Hong Kong, where people are literally reading the Declaration of Independence. The Chinese threatened to cut off the NBA. The NBA then threatened to fire him unless he deleted the tweet. All it said was, I stand for freedom in Hong Kong. That's a taste of how they will manipulate the world and markets. So if we ever have any type of conflict, yes, we'll have carriers on, you know, ships on ships and, t and planes and tanks. But the bigger thing they're going to do is cutting off our medicine supply. We no longer produce penicillin in this country. It's all made there. We no longer produce 90% of our cancer medication. It's all made there. Right. The left wants to go to a green economy with which you need batteries guess where yeah. <laughs> where all the world's lithium is 90 percent of it it's all there and by the way back to afghanistan a trillion dollars right. of these rare earths the world's second largest lithium third largest copper fifth largest cobalt where was it afghanistan and who's cut a deal with the Af with the taliban with the taliban china so uh they're playing they're playing chess and this administration's playing checkers badly uh, and, uh, and, and I guess my wake-up call to all of us, that the number one job of the federal government is to keep Americans safe. That's our communities safe, that's our border, and that's with our global adversaries. State and local, could, my view, could pretty much do everything else. Uh, and that's a good thing, uh, by the way. Keep Washington out of your communities and out of your business. But those three things, uh, and... and uh, it's, it's not going so well right now. Well, Congressman, I, yeah. we're wrapping up our time here, and I think one of the, the things that you've articulated that we need to understand is there is good and there is evil, and it has never been more pro pronounced on the world stage. And we need to be, un we, we, we need not hesitate to call evil, evil. And I think that is a big problem we have in this administration, somehow thinking that you know, it's not really that evil. It is evil. That's so right. I, I want to ask you as we close here, what do we need to be doing to bring greater awareness to this? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think you said it. 
uh, we, we need to start voting with our wallets. Um, because these conflicts, I pray, are not going to be, uh, you know, won through World War III. You know, the Chinese theory of victory isn't this major clash. It's watching the United States of America bankrupt itself. Uh, and so we still have the most powerful economy in the world. You all are its consumers and your families. Uh, and we as Christians uh, need to step up and educate ourselves uh, and start voting with the true power. This is, this is an economic conflict, uh, and that's how it's going to be won or lost. You're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch. This is from uh, our recent Pray Vote Stand Summit. You've been listening to my conversation with Florida Congressman Michael Waltz at our Pray Vote Stand Summit. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more of this special edition. We're going to be hearing from Josh Hawley, Missouri Senator, on how Americans should respond to this time of testing for our country. That's next. Don't go away. Making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. My concern is by the end of the year, we could end up into some sort of full-blown oil crisis. We are going to have a bit of a pullback. But look, we aren't going to get out of an oil crisis without higher oil prices. We're not going to get production from oil companies that are going to bring down the price of oil unless they have capital. People have to start coming into the markets. They've got to see prices continue to go up. That'll give them some cash and some value in order to want to start producing more oil. But prices have to go up and stay up with some level of stability before we can see permanent prices coming down in oil. And frankly, I don't think the oil companies are very anxious to deal with this administration. Jerome Powell mentions he is going to be talking about and thinking about a strategy for inflation. Jerome, there is no strategy for inflation. You're behind, leading behind again, as the Fed always does. You had an opportunity to get ahead of it in February. You chose not to because I hope you didn't truly believe that it was temporary. I don't want to think that of the Federal Reserve, but maybe it's possible. But the fact of the matter is we're leading from behind now. And the only thing you can do is raise rates slightly in December. Do it again slightly in end of January, February, one more time, maybe a quarter of a point by the end of the quarter and start adding some value to the dollar and get things in check and maybe you can begin to think of a strategy beyond that once that is done. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. We're continuing with a special edition of Washington Watch today, bringing you some of the highlights from our recent Pray Vote Stand Summit that was held in Loudoun County, Virginia at Cornerstone Chapel. If you want to hear more, it's all archived at prayvotestand.org slash summit. Now, Loudoun County has been the epicenter of the battle for education, where parents push back against the out-of-control school board and expose the radical ideology being forced upon kids. 
Now, one of the speakers at our event was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, who talked about the left's unrelenting attacks on the future of our country and how Christians need to stand up to them. Listen to this. And I just want to say to you that it's my firm conviction that in this hour, in this time of testing for our nation and for us as believers, what we need as believers above all is we need a baptism of courage. Do you agree with that? And we also need, we also need a baptism of hope because it's hope that gives us courage, hope that will fuel our courage and allow us to stand strong, allow, allow us to see into the future, allow us to lead. And I want to talk to you about that hope and that courage today. You know, Tony just said about my family, I'm married to a beautiful, smart woman named Erin. She's also an attorney, the best lawyer in our family. There's only two of us, she's the best. And we've got three wonderful children, Elijah, who is age eight, and Blaze, who is age six, and Abigail, who is 10 months old. And so uh, we got a lot of joy in our house, not a lot of sleep, but a lot of joy. And one of the things I value most is my time with my kids and in the evenings now with my boys, Elijah and Blaze, I get to read to them before they go to bed. And we're reading right now the Adventure Bible, the Action Bible. Have any of you seen this? It's like a comic book type uh, format. The boys just absolutely love it. It's really captured their imagination. I was reading uh, the other day to them a couple of nights ago. And my younger son, Blaze, as I was reading, we are reading about the story of Abraham and God's promise to Abraham about the promised land. And I was reading about it and, and Blaze said to me, he said, Daddy, is the promised land still there today? And I said, well, yeah, yes, yes it is, son. And he said, he's six. He said, is it still flowing with milk and honey? <laughs> I said, oh, he's been paying attention. You know, it's pretty good. But I said to him, I said, you know what, son? I tell you what, the, the promised land means many things, but above all, we know that as believers, our promised land is the character of God himself. Our promised land is the person of Jesus Christ, and the character of God still flows with milk and honey today. The character of God has not changed. The goodness of God has not changed, and I mention that because I firmly believe that his goodness that our conviction and belief in his goodness is our anchor in this time of testing, in this time of challenge. We believe that God is good. We believe that his goodness is beyond all comprehension. And we believe there is so much more of his goodness to be seen for our nation. My, my conviction is that God has dreams for the United States of America that are not yet fulfilled. Not yet. He's got more goodness to show to this country. He's got more goodness to show to us as his people, and he wants to use us to bless this nation. But we have to be honest, this is, this is a time of testing. This is a time of challenge for us as a country and for us as believers. We are seeing from the radical left the most determined assault on our identity as a country in any of our lifetimes. It's something I never thought I would see. I'm 41 years old this year. It's beyond anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I, I know for a fact, if you're a student of history, beyond anything we've seen of any of the lifetimes of those in this room or joining us virtually online, what the left is doing, the radical left, is trying to undermine the very foundations of this country by undermining the identity of this country, who we are as a free people. And I think nowhere is that more evident than in their campaign 
to discredit this nation and our history, our ideals, our character, to discredit it as systemically evil, as systemically racist, as rooted in, in immorality. That's what the left is now saying in critical race theory, as they call it, really has become the tip of the spear in their effort to undermine the identity and the goodness of this nation. We see critical race theory being taught in schools all across the country. You know, I'll say this about COVID, the COVID crisis, the COVID pandemic, it's a terrible thing. But one thing that did happen because of COVID is so many parents actually started listening to what their kids were being taught in school. Notice that? All of a sudden, oh, all of a sudden, you had to be online and the parents are there in the room and they're listening to the teachers. They're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you just say? What is it you're saying about this country? What is it that you're saying to my kids? You're, you're saying that America is systemically evil? You're saying that if you believe in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness that you're evil, you're saying that our founding ideals are somehow rooted in evil? That's what you're, that's what you're teaching to our kids? And we've seen a fierce pushback on the left. Of course, they've denied that there is any such thing as critical race theory, even as they attempt to put it in schools across this country, including in the United States military. And now we've seen what I think is a new bridge, a new frontier. You've been listening to Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri speaking at our recent Pray Vote Stand Summit that was held in Leesburg, Virginia. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. After the break, Senator Hawley will continue to describe what Christians can do to push back against the left's targeting of parents and education and against legalized abortion on demand. These are historic times. You need to be a part of it. Stick around. We're coming back with more right after this. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side -side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown DC, giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. When the shoe boxes are delivered, that's when the journey begins. $6 can provide discipleship training and multiplication to children around the world with the greatest journey. $6 per child provides teacher resources, a workbook for a child, and 12 lessons in the child's own language. $6 is all it takes to start a child on the greatest journey of his or her life. To find out how you can donate to The Greatest Journey by Samaritan's Purse, listen on December 7th to AFR. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, 
then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. In fact, a special edition of Washington Watch showing you some of the highlights from our recent Pray Vote Stand Summit that we held in Loudoun County, Virginia, uh, last month. You can find out more by going to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Uh, let me encourage you to join us this coming Sunday night for our Pray Together for Life. We'll be uh, in Jackson, Mississippi at uh, 7 p.m. Central Time as we gather from coast to coast, border to border to pray for our nation. This comes uh, just as the Supreme Court is taking up the abortion case coming out of the state of Mississippi, their 15-week ban on abortion. The Supreme Court will be hearing oral arguments on Wednesday, December the 1st. This could be the case that overturns Roe v. Wade. So join us for Pray Together for Life. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned, the Pray Vote Stand Summit was in Loudoun County, which was the epicenter of the battle over education. Only a week after U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland issued a memo treating parents as domestic terrorists, we, uh, we had jo- Senator Josh Hawley right there in Loudoun County speaking. And uh, we're going to pick right back up where we left off with Senator Hawley. This week, the Biden administration ordered the Federal Bureau of Investigation to get involved in local school boards and to begin to track and investigate parents, that'd be you, you who go to your children's school, who raise questions about critical race theory or about mask mandates. The Biden administration said, if you do that, the FBI might come knocking on your door. Can you believe this? You know, they are treating you as if you are a domestic terrorist. And that's exactly what the National School Board Association asked for in an extraordinary letter to the Biden administration. This pressure group, a left-wing pressure group, said that if a parent goes to a school and raises questions about critical race theory, well, my gosh, that is in and of itself, that's harassment, that's intimidation. They should be classed as domestic terrorists. We're talking about the core right to freedom of speech in this country. 
We're talking about our right as voters, as taxpayers, as parents to have a say in what our kids are being taught. And now this administration wants to weaponize the Federal Bureau of Investigation that you pay for and to use it to shut down speech. Well, I tell you what, all I have to say is not on my watch and not without a fight. I am not, I am not going to stand by. I will not stand idly by while this administration uses the federal government against us. I will not stand by while they trample our First Amendment rights. I will not stand by while they try to undermine the very foundations of this country. I had the a Justice Department official came to the Senate earlier this week. She was there to talk about something else, but she took an oath and she sat down in a seat. And I said, I got a few questions to ask you about what the Justice Department did this week. She didn't want to answer any of my questions. The Democrats protested. This is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about something else. I tell you what, when liberty's under assault in America, that's the only thing to talk about. When our rights are under assault in this country, that's the only thing to do is to take a stand. And so I said to her, this is an unprecedented attempt on the part of your administration to silence everyday taxpaying working Americans, to silence moms and dads, because they had the courage to stand up and to say, I don't want my kids being taught critical race theory. And it is wrong what the administration is trying to do. And it is shameful. And frankly, it's unconstitutional. And I will do everything in my power to stop it. And that's why we need a baptism of courage. We've got to have the courage in the face of this unprecedented assault to stand up and to say, no, we won't give in. We're going to defend our heritage. We're going to defend our rights. We're going to defend our way of life. I tell you what else we need a baptism of courage for. We need it to stand for the right to life. Have you been watching our, our friends on the left, the Democrat Party in Congress? They have become so extreme on this issue. The House of Representatives under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi just passed two weeks ago the most extreme pro-abortion law in this country's history. This isn't a proposal. They passed it. They adopted it in the House of Representatives. What would it do? Well, for starters, it would overturn the bans on partial birth abortions in states all across the country. We've got one in my state, in the state of Missouri. This law would overturn it. This law would legalize and, in fact, would mandate abortion on demand in all 50 states. They say it's to preserve Roe versus Wade. That would be bad enough, but it's not to preserve Roe versus Wade. It goes far beyond. It prevents the states, elected representatives, the people of the states, from protecting life in almost any form and any way. It is a brazen attempt to force on this country a radical pro-abortion and, yes, pro-death agenda. And I said, I hope we do this in the United States Senate. I hope we vote on that bill. I want to know every single senator in the Senate where they stand on this bill. I hope we vote on it over and over and over.
Let's get on the record. Let's find out. Because it's time we found out where the chips actually lay. It's time we found out where people stand. Because this is a time of testing. This is a time of challenge. And this is a time to stand. And for life, it is a time to stand and stand strong. And December 1st, the Supreme Court of the United States, you know this, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to hear the most important pro-life case in a generation, the Dobbs case, December 1st. Can I just ask you to be praying for that court? We need to pray every day, every day from now to December 1st. And can I just let you in on a, a little piece of inside information about that court? I started my legal career working at the Supreme Court. I met my wife at the Supreme Court. And here's what happens. After argument, after that case is argued on December 1st, the justices will meet together and they'll vote. That case will effectively be decided the day that the case is argued. December 1st is a critical day. We need to be praying. We need to be crying out to the Lord. We need to be interceding because this is the opportunity that we have been waiting for. I'll just tell you, I am praying every day that on December the 1st, the Supreme Court of the United States will finally decide to do what justice should impel them to do, what the Constitution should command them to do, and that is overturn Roe versus Wade. It is the worst decision, certainly, of this century, one of the absolute worst decisions in our country's history. It ranks right up there with Dred Scott, which extended slavery all across this country and required a civil war to destroy. It is time that abortion in this country was ended and life was protected. And we have the opportunity to do that this year. We've got so many challenges before us, whether it's protecting the goodness, the basic history of our country, fighting to make sure our children are actually taught what is true and right, fighting for the rights of parents, fighting for the rights of religious liberty. Can I just also say that the unprecedented onslaught that we've seen against religious liberty in the last two years is exceptional. The idea that churches would be treated worse than casinos or strip clubs or bars that you'd have states that would allow those places to be open, but would say to churches, you can't come and worship. You can't come and gather. That is unconstitutional. That is wrong. And it is a direct assault on the freedom of the church. And I will tell you again, as I said to a judicial nominee who was in front of me this week, somebody who wants to get appointed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, she had ruled, get this, she had ruled just this past year that in California, it was all right for various businesses to be open, for casinos to be open, for bars to be open. But when Christians wanted to meet in their own homes, she said they couldn't do it. In their own homes. I asked her, I said, since when does the Constitution of the United States say that the right to worship stops at the doors of the church. Show me where it says that the right to religious liberty stops at these church doors, where the right to conscience stops at these church doors. Where in the Constitution is it written? She couldn't point me to any place. And I said, you can't point me to any place because it doesn't exist. And for that reason, I'm opposing your nomination and I'll do everything I can to make sure you do not serve on the bench.
We need a baptism of courage to confront all of these unprecedented challenges, but we also need a baptism of hope. And I just want to draw your attention here in my last few minutes. I just want to draw your attention to a phenomenon in American history. You know, there have been great periods in our country where we've seen our, our society, our culture, we've seen it change. Not just for a moment, not just for a season, but for generations, we've seen it change. It happened right at the beginning of our country, in the 1760s and the 1770s. It led into our revolution. That period of time changed the whole culture of our country. We saw it again in the 1820s, in the 1830s, in the early 1840s, or the beginning of the abolitionist movement. It changed the whole culture of our country. What's the common thread that links those time periods together? I could tell you one word. It's revival. The 1760s and the 1770s, we had what we know was the first great awakening in the United States of America. In the 1820s, the 1830s, we had the second great awakening. These periods of revival changed our nation. And I submit to you that our greatest task and our greatest endeavor is not to seek change or reform for just a day or a season. It is to seek the transformation of this nation through revival. That's what we're living for. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're believing for. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I believe, I believe that we will see in our lifetimes the greatest revival in American history. I believe we will stand in the midst of it. I believe we will see it. And I believe it is going to change this country. You know, one of my favorite verses from scriptures in Matthew 16, do you remember it? Where Jesus says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. He says the gates of hell. What does that mean? As believers... We're not just to be a people who play defense, though defense is necessary. We're not just to be a people who seek to preserve what, always, what already exists, though preservation is necessary. We are to be a people of increase, a people of advancement, a people on offense, and that's what we need today. We need to have a baptism of hope that this country can be changed, that the culture of heaven can be felt here and now, that this country can be transformed, and that we can be on the offensive. And I believe it starts with us. You know, if, if you're waiting for the cavalry to arrive, I would just humbly say to you, look around. You are the cavalry. <laughs> this is it. You're it. And that's how the Lord meant for it to be. That's how the Lord wants it to be. The keys to revival are right here in the room. They're with us. Will we pray for it? Will we ask for it? Will we ask the Lord to move in a powerful and new and mighty way? Because if we do, he will. Do you remember the story of Gideon from the Bible? Never, another favorite passage of mine. I'm teaching this one to my boys and judges. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he says to him, Oh, mighty man of valor, where's Gideon at the time? He's hiding. Do you remember? He's hiding. He's threshing in the wine press. What's he doing in there? He's desperately afraid. He feels like I think many of us feel now. He feels embattled. He feels like no one is on his side. He, he feels like there's no hope or future for him. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, Almighty man of valor, 
I think the angel of the Lord would say to us today, and the Lord is saying to us today, to each one of you, almighty man of valor, almighty woman of valor, rise up now. This is your time when our nation needs hope, when our nation needs a future, when our nation needs vision. This is our time. What a privilege it is to live in times of challenge. What a privilege it is to live in times of crisis because we have the best news on earth. We have the best hope there is. We know how the story ends and we know there is a future. There is a future worth living. There's a future worth having and we know how to bring it to this country. I want to tell you this. It's the most important thing I'll say is that the Lord needs you, will use you, wants to empower you today and this nation needs your witness. This nation needs your hope. This nation needs your courage. This could be our time. This is not a time for discouragement. This is not a time for fear. This is not a time to hide in the wide press. This is a time to, to rise up. What did Gideon do? Gideon delivered a nation because he listened to the Lord. He delivered a nation. Wow, this is our time. This is our time to bring the hope of heaven. This is our time to bring the courage of heaven. This is our time to bring the vision of heaven to this country. And if we do, we can transform this country, not just for today, but for generations to come. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm living for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm praying for. God bless you for all that you do, for your work, for your courage, and God bless this country. Thank you. Well, folks, as always, thanks so much for listening to this special edition of Washington Watch. Again, I want to encourage you to check out the website, prayvotestand.org slash summit for more of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. The left will never, ever stop fighting, and neither should we. So that's why I encourage you with the words of the Apostle Paul as we close out our time together today. As always, you find him in Ephesians chapter 6, where he tells us when we have prayed, when we've prepared, and when we have taken our stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 